All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Brand new week, uh, still in the Major Prophets. Kevin, it actually feels like we've been in the Major Prophets for quite a while. We have. And here's what's crazy, though. I feel like from from now until the end of Revive School, it's going to feel very similar. Why? I feel like it's talking about the end, <laughs> and it's talking about people turning back to the Lord in the process. And those that aren't turning to the Lord, the other nations... The destruction is coming. It's kind of like that's the message of the major prophets. That's the message of Revelation. But here's the cool part. All of this, amidst all of this craziness, it points to the lineage of, of the Davidic line, which is really, you know, the new David, which is really the coming Messiah. And so amidst all of the judgment, uh, amidst all of the, you know, to go to Mindy's painting over here, amidst, you know, the skull and the bones, and we're going to get to that, the valley of the dry bones, that mentality you still have this, what I would just say, this refreshing presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I think that's a challenge that we have here, uh, is how do you, when you listen to the prophetic word, where do you find hope in it? And, and then what does it stir in your spirit? Uh, what, do, what do we do with all of this? And in fact, Ezekiel 27, I mean, Kevin, this is a, it, it, it's not a left turn. It's not that drastic, uh, but it kind of is because in Ezekiel 26, 25 and 26 really talks about, remember that in 24, we talked about the boiling pot. And then you get into 25 and 26, you have these prophecies against nations is what you have. Well, that's really with that, that season that we're in right now that Ezekiel is, is dropping these words of, there's going to be prophetic words towards those that have done things against Israel. That's the mentality. So when you get into 27, without teaching a whole lot from it, but we might end up hanging out here for a while, is that it says, if you look again, and I love this language, anytime you open up your Bible and you look at the, the titles, this one says, The Sinking of Tyre. Now, we've got Joey in-house here, uh, which is Rich Goodwin's youngest son. Uh, Joey, when we're talking about the sinking of Tyre, we're not talking about discount tire that you work at. We're talking about the sinking of Tyre. Rich, it's a, a location, correct? It is. It's a city. So don't worry, Joey, you're not going to lose your job. When we talk about the sinking of Tyre, it's another image. You remember in Ezekiel 15, you had the vine, the wood of the vine. Okay, I remember that where Judah was described as this useless vine. Then you have uh, uh, in Ezekiel 16, an image um, about the nation's betrayal of God's love. There's a parable there. Then Ezekiel 17, we didn't get into it much, but it's about the, the eagles and the cedar. All of these are images that Ezekiel uses. But then in Ezekiel 27, you have the shipwreck. You have the shipwreck where judgment was going to fall on this. If you can go to the map for me, Kevin, of Tyre. Uh, so judgment was going to come to Tyre. Now, at the end of the lesson today, if we get there, you're going to hear about judgment coming to Sidon. OK, so these two communities, you're going to hear prophetic words about judgment is coming to Tyre. Now, just so you can see a couple other parables, Nelson's commentary does is Ezekiel 34, which Kevin is this cool picture. Ezekiel 34 is our, our phrase that we have, the new David, 
When we say the new, da- new David, we're implying uh, Jesus is serving as the shepherd, which what that really means is in Ezekiel 34, 22 and 23, he's the shepherd that's gathering his lost flock that have gone all over the nations. So he says in verse 23, I'll appoint over them a single shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will tend them himself and he will be their shepherd. This image is important because in Ezekiel 34, you have this parable image of irresponsible shepherds. So the quote unquote false shepherds, those that are leading the flock the wrong way. So here you have these images of vine, of fire, of furnace, harlots, cooking pots. Ezekiel 27 is the shipwreck that's coming to Tyre. So Cool picture is shipwreck. They're right along the coast, obviously, of the Mediterranean. And so you have this image, this destruction of they're going to fall apart, literally going to be destroyed. You have this image of irresponsible uh, shepherds. And then at the end of the week, we're going to talk about the dry bones. So how Ezekiel communicates as a prophet, and you're going to hear from uh, one of our team members, Josh Edwards, later this week. But Josh really functions as a prophet, and he, he paints pictures a ton of times, whether he's singing or speaking, by how he communicates. I love images of prophet and prophetesses. When they communicate, they give you images. They give you visuals that God gives them. That's all that Ezekiel does. And Ezekiel 27 is truly about a shipwreck. It's this great ship, you guys, in verses 1 through 11. Okay, This great ship, the great ship Tyre, it says in 12 through 24, it talks about how unbelievable Tyre's commercial empire is. I mean, if you look at their location, you can imagine, you know, it'd be a great uh, port, right? A great port where people can come in. So at 12 through 24, you have how big they are. If you could picture like America, you know, like how amazing America is, if you can go through this image, and then you could talk about all of the things that America's done. That's kind of the image that they're painting of Tyre. And then it says in verses 25 through 36, in Ezekiel 27, there's this picture of the sinking of the great ship. I mean, Kevin, if you'll go in verse 25, it says, ships of Tarshish were the carriers for your good. So you became full and heavily loaded in the heart of the sea. Verse 26, your rowers have brought you onto the high seas, but the east wind has shattered you in the heart of the sea. It continues on. Your wealth, listen to this, you guys, merchandise, goods, your sailors, your captains, those who repair your leaks. See, Joey, I can see how you would think this would be discount tire. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, this is tire on a shipwreck. Those who repair your leaks, those who barter for your goods, and all the warriors within you with all the people on board, Look at this. It says, what happens to the people there, Kevin? They sink into the heart of the sea on the day of your downfall. Continues on then in verse 28. The countryside shakes at the sound of your sailors' cries. All those who handle an oar disembark from their ships. The sailors and the captains of the sea stand on the shore. They raise their voices over you and cry out bitterly. They throw dust on their heads. They roll in ashes. Remember, why? Because they just saw Tyre sink. They shave their heads because of you and wrap themselves in sackcloth. They weep over you with deep anguish and bitter mourning. In their wailing, they lament for you, mourning over you. Who was like Tyre, silenced in the middle of the sea? Do you see this image, you guys? Literally, it's like he took them out into the middle of the sea and he just, he sank them. When your merchandise was unloaded from the seas, you satisfied many peoples. You enriched the kings of the earth with your abundant wealth and goods. Now you're shattered by the sea and the depths of the waters. Your goods and the people within you have gone down. All the inhabitants of the coasts and islands are appalled at you. Their kings shudder with fear. Their faces are contorted. And then in verse 36, this is how it wraps up. About the shipwreck of Tyre, 
Those who trade among the peoples hiss at you. You've become an object of horror and will never exist again. Interesting enough, Tyre does not exist, but we'll hear about the destruction, uh, about the judgment that's coming to Sidon. Sidon will still exist even to today, but Tyre will not. And it says you will never exist today. Why do we have to read Ezekiel 27? Because as you transition into Ezekiel 28, okay, what you're going to begin to see is the judgment that's, why did it fall on the judgment? Why did, excuse me, why did it fall on the tire? And so, uh, so you have this image of, of tire. Kevin, what's the picture that you think of Ezekiel 27 now? Big ship going down in the middle of the sea. A big ship going down. Why did they go down? They false gods. Yeah, false gods. And they looked to everything that they, they did, right? The wealth, the materials, the merchandise, all of this. And it, it became really about, uh, one word comes to my mind, pride. Like, look at us, who we've become. So now when you transition in Ezekiel 28, okay, here's what you're going to begin to see. And really, in the first 10 verses, okay, you're going to see, Wearsby talks about it this way, Warren Wearsby, is that you're going to hear about judgment on, and I'm just going to tell you now, this is a really, I don't want to, when I say controversial, it's not like they're questioning whether it should be in the Word of God. It's, who are we talking about, is really what we're talking about. In Ezekiel 28, Judgment on the prince, okay? We'll talk about this language here, the prince of Tyre, okay? This is what we're going to begin to talk about in verses 1 through 10. Now, when I say I'm making a distinction, I was talking to Josh Edwards earlier before we began to teach this lesson. I studied multiple commentaries. And let me just tell you this. I don't think I read one of them that agreed on... Um, like he's going to be talking about one person here, another person here, or is he talking about that person now with this person? And so, yes, this is talking about two different people here, okay? At some point, he's talking about the king of Tyre, okay? At another point, he could be talking about Satan, okay? So I'm going to already put that out there now. So as we begin to go through these things, which one is he talking about? Now, if you go to, you're like, wow, you just went drastic for a second, <laughs> Okay, now watch this. It says in verse 2, okay? So the word of the Lord came to me in verse 1, and he says, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, okay? This could be that language. Say to the ruler of Tyre. Kevin, why do you make your face? Because he's in Babylon. Ezekiel is in Babylon. Right. So can is the ruler of Tyre in Babylon too? It's a great question. Let's go through the word. This is what the Lord God says. Your heart is proud. So he's not talking. I got to make sure you understand something. He's not talking to the Egyptians. He's not talking to the Syrians, Kevin. He's not talking to his own people in the southern kingdom. He's not talking to the northern kingdom. Ezekiel has a word for the ruler of Tyre, which we already just determined is along here. Okay. Where's Ezekiel right now, Kevin? He's over by the Cherbar Canal. The Cherbar Canal, right? Okay. Can you go to the big picture, the purple picture here for a second? So now watch this. So here's Babylon, okay? Here's Babylon, okay? So Kevin, when we say that, this is where we're at. We're over here, Tyre's over here, just an interesting picture. But we just saw a prophetic word, a prophetic word that was, has not happened, okay? That's important to understand. The prophetic word, so Kevin, when you say, say to the ruler of Tyre, it doesn't mean that maybe he's met him in person or that he will meet him in person, Right? Prophetic words can happen, and then those could be delivered to him. So this is what the Lord God says. Your heart is proud, and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God's in the heart of the sea. Yet you are a man and not a God. So right now, 
This language says the ruler of Tyre. We're actually talking a human being. Okay. He all of a sudden thinks, man, I'm what does he say? He actually says, I am a God. I sit in the seat of gods and in the heart of of the sea. So like this is his mentality. I kind of rule this place. And yet God says to the king of Tyre, you are a man, not a God. And he says, yes, in verse three. Yes, you are wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. That's a big statement. You're wiser than Daniel. You got to understand Daniel was in Babylon for 20 years. So since 605, so people knew about Daniel. They knew about the, the wisdom. They knew about the secrets that God downloaded the wisdom to Daniel. And now we just heard that the king of Tyre is wiser than Daniel. You don't hear that language often. You think Solomon, but, and he says, no secret is hidden from you. It's almost a little bit of sarcasm, but I also think there's some truth in this. He says in verse four, by your wisdom and understanding, you've acquired wealth for yourself. You've acquired gold and silver for your treasuries. By your great skill in trading, you've increased your wealth. You know, you guys, we know business guys that everything they touch, like it just turns to gold. Everything they touch, it like multiplies. Everything they touch, like that's kind of the image. This guy is an extreme entrepreneur. Uh, and he just says, but your heart has become proud because of your wealth. Why? Because he, had t- he attributed it to his great skill. He attributed it to his wisdom, to his understanding. Therefore, in verse six, this is what the Lord God says. Because you regard your heart as that of a God, I am about to bring strangers against you, ruthless men from the nations. They will draw their swords against your magnificent wisdom and will defile your splendor. So, Kevin, the prophetic word is he's talking to the the prince of the king of Tyre. Okay, as of right now, in your image in verse seven, what's happening? Uh, Basically, he's the Lord's reprimanding him, saying, calling him out. There's going to be people come against you and destroy you. So he just said destruction's coming because of pride. Pride, we've heard this a thousand times, pride leads to the fall. Let me describe just a couple things here. Uh, You know, possibly this king could be, you ready? It's going to sound super uh, smart here for a second, Kevin. Uh, Ito Bale II, I-T-T-O-B-A-A-L II, is probably who we're talking about when we talk about the king of Tyre. Okay, Uh, there's a really good thought process behind that. We do know that this prophecy, okay, uh, came shortly before the siege of Tyre by Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, Kevin, was with what area? Babylon. Babylon. So the prophecy comes as Ezekiel is in Babylon. Okay, he says, okay, without saying his name, King Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldeans are going to come with their swords against your magnificent splendor and they're going to defile your splendor. And so we do know that in 585 to 573 BC that this stuff takes place. We do know that the Babylonians come in and actually begin to take over. When you hear language of I am a God, God doesn't put up with that. We'll get into this about Nebuchadnezzar. We'll get into this about the king of Tyre and comparing to Satan as well. But this is the image. Practically, you can see that this could actually be a human being, right? You would see this. This actually could be taking place. He says in verse eight, he says, they'll bring you down to the pit and you will die a violent death in the heart of the sea. They'll bring. uh, Will you still say then at that point, (laughs) will you still say I'm a God? 
in the presence of those who kill you. Yet you will only be a man, not a God in the hands of those who kill you. Verse 10, it says this, you will die the death of the uncircumcised at the hands of strangers. For I have spoken. This is the declaration of the Lord God. This clearly feels like we just described a human death. This clearly describes somebody from the foreign community is coming and they're going to come in and wipe you out because of your pride, because of your wealth, because you think it's more about yourself. And you're going to die at the hands of the strangers in the heart of the sea. I think we're all on the same page here. Rich, you want to add anything to that? No, I mean, it's a pretty vivid picture. Watch this. When we go to judgment, this is kind of an interesting mentality. This is where Wearsby goes, and I don't want you to get confused by this. Judgment on the king of Tyre. Just hang on here for a second, okay? When we use this language, okay, really what we're emphasizing, and this is what's crazy, is we're going to emphasize the cherub side. In verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me, says in verse 12, Son of man. Okay, again, what is he saying? He's speaking to Ezekiel. Remember, I always do my funnel open like God is giving Ezekiel a word in the Babylonian exile. Lament for the king of Tyre. So what are we saying? We're lamenting, we're weeping, we're mourning. Why? For, okay, the prince. Okay, it says the king of Tyre. That's why I don't get caught up in the language here. And say to him, this is what the Lord God says. You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect and beauty, beauty, okay? You were in Eden, the garden of God, every kind of precious stone. Now look at this, there's gonna be nine stones covered you. Carnelian, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald. So nine stones have covered you. Your mountings and settings were crafted in gold. They were prepared on the day you were created. You were an anointed guardian cherub. For I had appointed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked along the fiery stones. Scripture continues on. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your ways until wickedness was found in you. Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Okay, so Kevin, even just right now, we've heard language in verse 14. If you want to go there real quick. You were anointed, you were an anointed guardian cherub. Now, if you go to verse 16 for me, Kevin, again, here it says, and I banished you, guardian cherub. In verses 1 through 10, we don't hear any of this language. None of this language. It's an emphasis completely on humanity. But when you get through 11 through 19, it's almost like, here's how you have to put it this way. Uh, you have to have this image. Remember, we always had these little dots, like I'm talking about the current situation. I'm talking about the first coming of Christ. I'm talking about the return of Christ. Okay. What you see in one through, uh, one through 10, and people have said this, and you're going to hear this later on from Pastor Fred Staten as well. Some of us have these texts that people will declare. This is a really difficult text. Okay. Here's what I want to say. This This can be difficult, but not if you see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is that one through 10, King of Tyre is a foreshadow of Satan. Okay, or flip it (laughs) in this context, though, the King of Tyre, his life points to, yes, I guess it would be backwards. (laughs) Whatever that, what's that word? Rich? Before shadow. Before shadow is that his life now is painting a picture of Satan. 
And in, in 11 through 19, we're clearly talking about, and I say clearly, some of you are like, oh, you don't know that for sure. Okay, I, I would agree. Okay, it sure looks like it's Satan. Okay, so and he banished you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. So then he says in verse 17, your heart became proud because of your beauty for the sake of your splendor. You, cr- you corrupted your wisdom. So I threw you down to the earth. I made you a spectacle before kings. You profaned your sanctuaries by the magnitude of your iniquities in your dishonest trade. I made fire come from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of everyone watching you. And then finally, in verse 19, scripture says, all those who know you among the nations are appalled at you. You have become an object of horror and will never exist again. Okay. In verse 14, when it talks about an anointed cherub, uh, Kevin, what do we know about Satan? What do we know about at the beginning uh, in Genesis? How, how, how is, and even Isaiah as well, he, he is a fallen angel, correct? Satan is a fallen angel that what? Wanted to take the throne of God. And then we know that scripture alludes to is that he tried to bring a third of the angels with him, correct? Correct. A third of the angels tried to, quote unquote, take over. There's no other way around this because he wanted the pride. He wanted to be, you were on the uh, the, the holy mountain of God. Your heart became proud. But then what does God say he does? He says he threw him away, right, from the mountain of God. And so here you have, I threw you down to the earth. And so you have this image of Satan trying to literally become, uh, and in fact, this high, mo- this high holy mountain mentality. It's a high privilege is what we're intending. But then here you have this picture again of, I don't know how to say this, God truly kicking Satan out of, because it says this, he kicked him out of the garden. There's a couple pictures here in verse 12. It says Satan was... A seal of perfection. Uh, this is kind of an interesting... Uh, Satan was the highest creature that God ever created. It goes back to Ezekiel 1, or where Ezekiel sees the presence of God and the cherubs are described. But he was the head of those. He was... So, I mean, it all lines up for Ezekiel. You know, it's interesting. Let's just say that you would say, well, Kyle, this really isn't Satan that we're talking about. Even if you said that this was the prince or the quote unquote king of Tyre, I'm, I'm really actually okay with that because Satan can what? Can speak through humans. So it could be describing Satan using and speaking through the king of Tyre because if you go to Matthew 16, verse 23, you kind of have an interesting image as well. I mean, think about it this way. Peter is talking to Christ himself. And what does Christ say? He turns and he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. So I think this is an image of even Satan. I, I also not say this, whether he's speaking through Peter or not. Clearly what is taking place is that Jesus recognizes this is not man. This is Satan talking right now. And I need you to get behind me because Peter before this doesn't like what Jesus is going to have to go through. And so however you want to look at it, in 1 through 19, there is an image of an actual human being, the king of Tyre, who because of his pride, okay, it led to destruction. But here's what I want to say. Satan clearly used this man to bring about the destruction. Why? Because he says, I am a God. This sounds really drastic. I think many of us are not that far off from the king of Tyre. 
I think because of we've developed our own strategies, our own life, our situations, we like how we we like things. When we let pride get to the point where he is, uh, we are above God. I think Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. If we're not careful, our church becomes more about our church. This is going to sound a little bit weird, but more than about the church than about Jesus. It's more about our name, more about what can I do to look good? And then how can I build this thing up? How can I get more campuses? How can I spread this thing? How can I get more podcasts? Like this is the mentality. And yet if we're not careful, if we're not doing this for the glory of God, you guys, we're no different than the king of Tyre with a city on the side of the Mediterranean Sea and that it's going to lead to destruction. I actually think the king of Tyre is an incredible picture of how the enemy uses mankind to take people away from God. And that's what's taking place. That's so whether it is, you know, Satan or not, I just want to let you know the enemy is coming to steal, kill and what? Destroy. That's all he's after. He wants to see destruction. And can I just say one of the major underlying pins of all of this is pride. Pride will lead to the fall. You look at all these great communities, all these great nations. It's pride, pride, pride. Satan fell because of pride. And that's what you see. And can I just tell you this? It's so clear when we function in pride. Judgment's coming. We talked about this at a Bible study with some men here uh, at Time to Revive. And judgment's going to start where, Kevin? In the church. We can say judgment's coming to America, but I'll just tell you, judgment is coming to us first and foremost. Think about this. Adam and Eve. He, did he not trust Adam and Eve? <laughs> he loved Adam and Eve. The Adam and Eve were like the, the first of the first. But Satan crept in. And because of pride, they fell. And all I would just say is, is that, you know, we can get into this. Is it Satan? Is it the king of Tyre? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's it's all of the above. And I think what you see with Tyre is, is that because of pride, it falls. Sidon will fall. And Satan's going to come in and I, I think how he does it. This this is not theologically correct in this. I think when we find comfort in our wealth, in our means, in ourselves, in some weird way, we then play the game, I am a God. And that's what leads to destruction. And just so you know, this is not the workings of Jesus. This is the working of the enemy. Satan, who says, hey, that's what you guys want. You should be in charge. You should be the king of Tyre where you develop the the wealth and the ships. He just never talks about the shipwrecks, you guys. Satan never mentions the shipwrecks. He never talks about, oh, by the way, do you know how it ends? He knows how it ends. All I would just say is, is, man, I I wish I could get into more. uh, Because, you know, just so you know, at the end of... of, uh, at the end of 28, we talk about the judgment of Sidon. Uh, and then at the end, really at the end of the end in 25 and 26, Kevin, you know what's crazy is, is that we still talk about destruction, but in 25 and 26, then we still talk about the regathering of Israel. <laughs> it's like there's judgment, uh, but there's going to be the remnant that's going to be saved amidst, uh, amidst all of this. And, and that's what you have, judgment and destruction, and then there's deliverance. And all I would just say is, is we, we, don't have to, we don't have to live like this. We don't have to live in this state of of pride. 
And so, Father, would you just speak right now in the name of Jesus? I don't know if there are the king of tires listening. I don't know if there are these prince of tires that are listening, these guys that have built up their ships. I don't know. I just know for myself, Father, I know I build up things that are not of you. God, I want to be the opposite. I want to be the the Jesus followers that are giving up everything. That we don't have the homes to put our heads in. We don't have a place to rest. God, God, I, I don't want to be able to hold on to anything except your presence. And so, Jesus, would you just begin to loosen the church of the ships? Loosen the church of these material things that they really get in the way and become a wall from us experiencing you. And then there becomes legalism. And then, Lord, we can just go into this whole thing about, Father, just set us free from these things. Forgive me, Father, of holding on to these things. Forgive the church for holding on to these things. Jesus, you came to give it life, to give us life and give us abundant life. And so we just give this to you. In Jesus' name.